everybody, Shino D Phoenix here, and I welcome you to this very special edition of No One's Ready for Wrestling, where I talk professional wrestling and give my honest opinion. Now, you may be asking, what do you mean special edition? Or if you could tell by the title, I got three reviews that I want to talk about, and uh, I wanted to knock it out as soon as I can, but laptop issues derailed that plan for me, so... I'm going to try and knock this out as soon as I can, but I want to talk about the August 22nd edition of Dynamite, NXT TakeOver 30, their 30th TakeOver, and SummerSlam 2020, so you're getting a lot of great shit all in one, because I absolutely care for my listeners. Now, as usual, um, let me um make this uh clear, we are... Currently in a hurricane situation here in Louisiana, but um, I'm staying safe, and I hope my friends down there in Louisiana and down in Texas, because I know they're getting affected by this as well, um, hope you guys are in shelter, hope you're staying safe, and uh, just try and make sure you got everything in case your lights go out, So, because it was windy when I was walking my dog, so... Just want to give you guys that heads up, but right now everything's gonna everything's going fine. So, want to give you that quick update. Uh, social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Shino D Phoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, pay per views, Impact, and anything that's on my mind. So, and there's that thunder again. So. Make sure you follow me there. I will I will try and follow you back, okay? I'll if you do have the Twitter. On Facebook, make sure you like the page No One's Ready for Wrestling. Cause I mean, that's where I post the episodes first. And literally just <clears throat> like that's where you will get the updates as well if you if you are a Facebook user. For Instagram, make sure you follow me, Cool Man Sip. That's me, the guy here. I do post the episodes on there as well, on my stories and on uh, on my Instagram posts as well. So you guys can stay updated because I care for my listeners. Let's talk about Dynamite, August 22nd edition of AEW Dynamite. They actually pulled a really good number. 755,000 people watched the show, and they were ranked number five in the top demo, so that's good. That's that's great numbers, so I, I can't shit on that. And But I thought this was a really good episode of, of AEW Dynamite, and it was on a delay because of the NBA coverage. Uh, yeah, don't worry, we'll talk... Now, I don't usually talk about other sports, but we'll talk about what's been going on in the real world on episode 80. So, you you don't want to miss it. So, the show opened with FTR and Private Party. And this was a really good opening match, in my honest opinion. I also note that Tully Blanchard, he was actually at ringside with FTR. So, little hints of that for Horsemen in AEW. So I'm looking forward to that. That would be fantastic. He ma- He's managing Sean Spears, and now he's managing FTR. 
So we need one more piece in that puzzle. Just saying. And you got a stable in the making. But FTR and Private Party, this was a really good match. FTR, they won with the Good Night Express. And I'm like, this is just great. I'm looking forward to this. Um, Now, they cut a promo. Moxley cut a promo earlier during the show as he talked about MJF's campaign. And he said it was entertaining, but when people start talking about themselves all the time, it rubs him the wrong way. Uh, poor Moxley. He wonders what exactly is MJ, what exactly is MJF hiding? He call, he puts him over, saying he's talented and hopefully he helps the company succeed for the next twenty five years. But that day won't come on September fifth, which is all out. So. Like, really good promo hyping up their match. And speaking of which, MJF, who was in a neck brace again. <laughs> and <laughs> this was... I, I freaking love MJF, man. The dude is absolutely entertaining to watch. Now, MJF is in the back, talking about historical figures like Genghis Khan and Napoleon. Like, call them tyranny dictators and he talked about John attacking him from behind last week and when he should have attacked him in the front and those actions um have consequences MJF said he wants to have a family one day now we all know MJF is full of shit I mean he's playing his heel role so very like so so great um he he wants uh to play with those kids but he can't cause Daddy is mangled. He calls the paradigm shift an abomination. And so his lawyer brings up that the move is dangerous dangerous, and possibly it could possibly be deadly. Five million people, the lawyer claimed, signed a petition to have the paradigm shift banned at all out. And all they need is Moxley's signature. And if he doesn't sign, he'll be sued. They'll take his money his house, and cars, and then MJF will take his title. Now, I asked myself when I was watching this, I'm like, why would Moxley sign a petition to have the uh, Paradigm Shift banned? But you know, I mean, Moxley has another finisher, so he doesn't need the Paradigm Shift. So I, I could see him literally saying, you know what? I don't even need my own finisher to beat you. So, I think it could work out. And I'm questioning... Well, I'm also questioning... Should you put the title on MJF? Ooh, that's a tough one. Because I think you should save that title change for a big crowd. Or just... It's not the right time yet. So, I'm kind of torn on that one as well. But MJF is coming along. He's coming along his own way. And I like it. We had the Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares taking on the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. Um, this match, I mean, look, I I don't like being critical. I mean, it was fine, but it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. I was kind of losing it when I was watching both Dynamite and TakeOver. I was pretty focused on NXT TakeOver than that match. And I'm being completely honest with you guys. 
But Jurassic Express won. No, Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares won because Pentagon wanted uh, the Blade to do the Seattle Mero and they started bickering and that gave, um, I believe, QT Marshall the chance to pin Pentagon for the team to win. So they start brawling. Or, well, they, they didn't brawl. They were arguing with each other until Eddie Kingston came out to make peace like he's playing the peacemaker here and he put both teams over he wants them to walk with him and they can have everything they want so and he also talked about their time on the indies and now they're here on TNT on national television and this is the big time you know so they all embrace and when they're embracing you could see Eddie Kingston smiling at the camera. So does that tell me something tells me that he might be creating a stable for his own? I don't know, man, but it is intriguing. I'm looking forward to that. Everybody's favorite role model, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. She was about to cut a promo, but Ford and Sabian are making out and Britt tells him that about the dangers of exchanging human saliva. Now she offers them free dental care for one year if they can if they can help her out with Big Swole. And she makes it a handicap match and tells Penelope that Reba will do her makeup for a year for free. And they accept the offer. So we're getting the handicap match uh, tonight on Dynamite because I'm recording this on Thursday. Orange Cassidy came out for an interview with Tony Schiavone. And Tony puts him over for his big win over Jericho last week. And out came the demo god, the little bit of the bubble, the Ayatollah of rock and roll, Chris Jericho. And he talked about being pinned three times since he came to AEW. One being Scorpio Sky, one being against John Moxley. That was at AEW uh, Revolution. Scorpio Sky was on Dynamite before the pandemic. And now, Orange Cassidy. He puts him over saying that he's proud that he's learning from Jericho and says that he has the heart, desire, and courage and what it takes to be a main event star in AEW. Now, Jericho talks about the rubber match and he wants to do something special. So, he wants a mimosa. He wants a mimosa mayhem match and they played this video package for it and you have you have to win by pinfall submission or throwing your opponent into 80 gallons vault of orange juice and the bubbly now Chris Jericho actually talked about this on the live stream before we continue with the promo he um claim he came up on what the idea with the Mimosa Mayhem match. So this is what he said on his YouTube channel. He said, The big news on my end is, at All Out, is Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a Mimosa Mayhem match. You might be like, what is that? Is that like some kind of weird gimmick? Actually, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's something that we came up with where you can only win by pinfall submission or by basically throwing somebody in the vat of Mimosa. I can't wait for you guys to see what we've come up with. I got the idea kind of 
coming from one of those old Atsushi Onita exploding barbed wire deathmatch sort of things and a lot of suspense, kind of like a battle royal, getting thrown out, holding on to the ropes, that that sort of thing. Of course, if someone is able to throw the other into the pit of vat, into the pit, the vat, the container of mimosa, then they're the winner. So, that is why, how Jericho came up with this, uh, this match. And, and I'll, I'll exp- give my thoughts on it later on. So, Jericho, he wants it at All Out, and Orange Cassidy does that thumbs up, saying that he accepts. And then we ended with a brawl between best friends and the inner circle, in which the inner circle stood tall. Now, this gimmick match, um, it's, it's a cheesy name, literally. I mean, if it's fun, I mean, you know I love fun. Like, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Like, this is the rubber match. Both of them have a victory on each other. And what better way to get... Like, I, I don't know, man. I think Cassidy beating Jericho again was elevate him to higher ranks, you know? I think that would be good, but I'll, I'll give it time. I will give it time. So, this should be interesting. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the elite, the, the elite, sorry, I had to go there, took on the Dark Order, three, four, and five, it was a spot fest, and look, I'll be honest with you guys, because I know you like my honesty, I did not care about this match, I only cared about the post-match, which got my attention, so, and a little tease right there, but... The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, they defeated the Dark Order, and it was the post-match. Kenny Omega fucking snapped, and I believe it was on uh, Allen Five Angels, and he was looking to powerbomb him on the chair. So the Young Bucks pulled the chair while he powerbombed number five, and they started questioning his actions. And if you're wondering why, during the match, Kenny Omega got hit in the head with a chair. So, I thought that was something intriguing. And it looks like we might be inching closer to a Kenny Omega heel turn. And if we get that cleaner side of Kenny Omega, sign me up, man. I think that would be a great idea. Mmm, delicious. Absolutely delicious. So, it was announced backstage when Alex Marvez was interviewing FTR and Tully Blanchard that there will be a gauntlet match to determine the challengers for the AEW Tag Team Championship, so, which is tonight. And it's the Natural Nightmares. They're going to start off against the Young Bucks. And whoever wins that, they take on Best Friends next. And they take on FTR in the, like, right after. So... This is what I think. I think the Young Bucks, they're going to beat the Natural Nightmares. Best Friends are going to get a surprise win over the Young Bucks. And I'm going to predict that FTR wins. And they, and it's because Best Friends got distracted by Santana and Ortiz. And if I get that right, <laughs> I am going to be so happy. Because look, I think FTR is next in line against Omega and Paige. 
And that's where you tease more dissension between Omega and the Elite. Or Page and the Elite. But I could see Omega turning heel on Hangman Page. I think that's the way they will go about it. And you know what? I will absolutely be okay with that. And they already planting seeds during that backstage interview when Hangman Page was asking him, what the hell did you do? Why the hell did you uh, do what you did last week against um to Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express? Like, you know? So, little tease right there. So, they're trying to get Hangman Page's trust. That's what I see. Darby Allen defeated Will Hobbs. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a squash match, but it looks like AEW has their eyes on Will Hobbs. And, look, the kid is fantastic. Like, did you see that fucking spine buster he did on Darby Allen? That was absolutely impressive. And I know Arn Anderson is just smiling with glee after seeing that. But Darby Allen, he won with the coffin drop. But the post-match, you had Taz who was on commentary. He got on the mic and he tells Darby that he has a new member of Team Taz. And he introduces Darby Allen. Who is pretty much Ricky Starks dressed up as Darby Allen with the face paint like exactly the same. Yeah, Brian Cage attacking him with the FTW title. And Stark said that Allen needs paint to be somebody. And he calls him the biggest joke of them all. And Ricky Starks actually hit a coffin drop of his own from the middle rope. So that's that's a feud I'm looking forward to. Ricky Starks and Darby Allen, possibly at all out. Hey, I think that would be great. That would be a fantastic. Uh, feud right there. So, I, I think... I, and if you ask me who should win this match, I, I gotta go with Ricky Starks, man. I mean, this I think this is his first AEW pay-per-view, if that would if that would be the case. And literally, Darby will make him a star. I think he will look great in defeat as well. So they cut the picture in picture as you see Sammy is out with his signs apologizing but not knowing that some of them are from Matt Hardy. So he noticed they're deleted and you see them brawl and then they cut to then they uh then right after commercial you see like them brawling on the entrance ramp. Matt Hardy just threw Sammy Guevara through the through the table like a sack of potatoes. And he went under the ring, grabbed the same chair that he got cut, that he got blasted with, and which Sammy had heat for. And he was about to um throw the chair in Sammy's head, but the ref stopped him, and you had Aubrey Edwards, I believe, helping Sammy to the back. So I'm liking this. I think this is really good. And this feud, man, this is getting me even more pumped up. Then we got to the best thing in my entire life. Mm, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. The NWA Women's Champion is here. Not, not officially signed, but she's here. And she wants to put the women's division on the map. And she heard Sheeta's challenge. And she's like, look, I'll accept your challenge at all out for the AEW Women's Championship. This is huge. 
This is absolutely huge. And how did AEW manage to get the women's champ, NWA women's champion for All Out? Simple. Tony Khan reached out to Billy Corgan, and an agreement, and an agreement was reached. Now Melsa said Tony Khan had the idea of Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa for whatever reason, and he talked to Billy Corgan, and Billy Corgan was fine with it. That's probably why they acknowledged that she's the NWA Women's World Champion. So this match, I'm looking forward to. And look, if they do an NWA AEW working relationship, that could really help because. I don't know how long NWA is going to be lasting because I think Dave Lagana got fired because of the allegations and and since this pandemic hit it really did a number on them, you know? So and and that sucks. But look, you want to talk about game changer for the women's division? Thunder Rosa is that is the woman. Now, I don't see her beating Sheeta, even though, look, I love me some Hikaru Sheeta, because I'm a Joshi Mark. I really am. I love Joshi wrestlers. And I know I want to see Thunder Rosa hold two belts. That would be awesome. And not only that, it would get NWA on the map, even though they already are. But, like I mentioned, I don't see Thunder Rosa winning the title. Maybe this is just... A one-off match. And may- and maybe. Just maybe. If she thinks about uh, joining AEW. That would be a huge, huge signing for the women's division right there. Which is desperately needed. Right now. Because some of the women that are out of state. They won't be able to travel. Because of this pandemic. So that would be a great signing. If that's the case, I mean, I don't see it, but it could be possible. We had the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Finals. Veda Scott was on commentary, making her Dynamite debut, and I absolutely love Veda Scott on commentary. I think she did a really, really good job. And I don't know, man. If you want me to be real, I think I would like to see her more on commentary uh, on Dynamite, you know? Just... Throwing that out there. But this match... Look, I'm happy for Ivelisse and Diamante that they won. Rightfully so, because if the Nightmare Sisters won, I'll be like, uh... Just, uh... And it's not that I don't like them. I mean, it's just... It would be stupid. And it looks like AEW might be close to signing both Ivelisse and Diamante. And I hope they get Tekanchi as well. That could really help that women's division. But this match in general was not good. I'm being completely honest with you. It wasn't good. And I don't know what they might I don't know if this women's tag team cup tournament might come again. I don't know. We're just gonna have to find out. Then we got to the main event. The TNT championship match. Brody Lee versus Cody. This was an absolute fucking squash. Reminded me of Brock Lesnar versus John Cena for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam back in 2014. When Brock pretty much manhandled John Cena and won the um the title because of that. 
Now, <laughs> that discus lariat, man. Brody Lee has the bru- one of the most brutal spinning discus lariats. It is just so badass. Now, he won the TNT Championship, and good on him. Good on him. I know people were getting tired of Cody, but look, you can't take away Cody for uh, for making that TNT title feel important. Now it's important because it's on the hands of Brody Lee. And he looked like a legit star. You see that, Vince McMahon? He doesn't need to do a southern accent. Just let him have creative freedom. I could say that for half your roster, bro. So, literally, this was a pure squash. The you They made this out in a big deal. Like, he's getting stretchered out. And he's being stretched out. And the Dark Order attacks on. And they wheel Cody back, like, into the entrance, if I'm correct. And... You had the Dark Order dragging out the Nightmare family, which was uh, QT Marshall and and um, and Dustin Rhodes. And then you had Brandy checking on her husband to make sure she was to make sure he was okay. And then Anna J choked her out with the rear naked choke. Fucking badass! I love it. I thought it was great. The Dark Order they stood tall. They stood tall to close out that dynamite. So I'm about to go on the poll results, see what we're looking like for dynamite. If I could get there, because I mean, this was the same day as NXT uh, takeover. So here, here we are. 81% of you said it was a thumbs up show, while 19% said it was a thumbs down show. So. Overall, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad show. I thought it was really good. They're still building towards uh all out. So next week, like I mentioned, we got the Gauntlet Tag Team match. We got a handicap match between Big Swole versus Britt Baker, Penelope Ford, and Reba. We got a tables match. What well, well, all of this is tonight. Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy and the contract signing between MJF and John Moxley. Also, Brody Lee is going to be celebrating, so can't wait to see that. Let's see if Matt Cardona will get his revenge. But before we get to TakeOver, there's actually news on Cody possibly taking some time off of AEW for a while. Now, PW Insider is reporting that Rhodes will be off of TV for an extended period to sell the beating he took from Lee. Now, it's also noted that the timing could have have to do with the stat, the Staz Wrestling Series heels, that is going into productions. Stephen Amell specifically asked for Rhodes to be a part of the series when it was announced last year. So there you go. That could be your reason why we're gonna ha- see. Um, no, that's probably your reason why um, Cody Rhodes will be taking time off. He's gonna be doing a wrestling series with Stephen Amell. So. I, I don't mind. Like, I think that would be great, you know? So, I think Brody's going to be a great TNT champion. But I'm looking forward to tonight's show. NXT TakeOver 30 was on the same day as Dynamite. And I thought TakeOver as a whole was a damn good show, man. Like, it was a... Like, outside the main event, which I will get into because I really don't have much highlights... 
for that match. But this was their 30th takeover, and I thought they hit a home run with this. Now, Corey Graves was on commentary, but not Mauro Ronaldo, and there is a possible reason why he wasn't on commentary for TakeOver 30. Now, Meltzer noted that Ronaldo was not able to do commentary. This is according to him on the Wrestling Observer, that it was because of a family situation. Now, now Meltzer said, and I quote, he had a family situation and he went back to British Columbia where he's originally from, so that's why so that's that is why Melsa said it's not anything else that that's the deal. He's in British Columbia now and pretty much for those reasons he had to miss Saturday's show. Now I hope for the best for Morrow, because I know we didn't see him on NXT uh, yesterday, and Wade Barrett actually replaced him, and I'll talk about that on episode 80. So, I hope, I wish Morrow the best, and praying for his family, so hopefully he, um, hopefully he gets back on time. So, the kickoff match. We had Brizongo versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch versus Legato Del Fantasma for the number one contender for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Now, some quick notes on this I want to mention. Can I just say how badass Santos Escobar looks in that suit during Legato Del Fantasma's entrance? He looks like a fucking badass. But some highlights, Fandango turned Joaquin inside out with a clothesline. He had Oni and Fandango trading up roll-ups. Fandango was hitting Oni only for him to fire up and just run wild on him. Raul Mendoza, who is fucking underrated, man. He is a great in-ring performer. He did a nice spinning senton on both Oni and Fandango, which looked fantastic. Wakeem, he gets tagged in, and he hits a jumping reverse neckbreaker on Oni while Breeze got DDT'd. Birch was running... Hit a running lariat to the corner on Joaquim and then hit a German suplex. Oni and Danny hit the assisted hanging DDT and I thought that was it for a close near fall. Raul got a standing Spanish fly on Breeze and Joaquim, t- Joaquim tags in. Hits a 450 splash for a near fall. Oni hits a running European uppercut on Joaquim and Breeze hit the but- supermodel but- the supermodel kick on Oni to win and become the number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team Champions for Brizongo. I thought this was a fun match on the pre-show, but I hope NXT puts more focus on that tag team division. Just throwing that out there. So the main show opened with Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. Now, Finn... Now, this match was a really good opening... Standard wrestling match. And, um... But here's some highlights here. Finn Balor immediately attacked Thatcher as soon as the bell rang. Thatcher was working on the ankle of Balor. You had him apply the bow and arrow on him. And Balor escapes with a cover for a two count. Thatcher then applied the Kimura on Balor. After catching one of his strikes. And he's doing a joint manipulation. Kind of reminds me of Pete Dunne, right? 
right? So anyway, Finn escapes the roll, roll up and hits a drop kick for a two count. Thatcher chops Finn in the chest. Like I thought this was an awesome uh, sequence. He chops Finn in the chest. Balor hits a Pele kick on Timothy, and both men are down. Finn escapes the butterfly suplex and attempts attempt and hits a double stomp. Finn then applied the ab- abdominal stretch on Thatcher, hits an inverted DDT for a two count. Finn goes for the running Shogun drop kick, looks for the coup de gras, misses but lands on his leg and he clutches the left leg. Thatcher immediately notices and he grabs the injured left leg and applies a single leg Boston Crab. Thatcher hits an enziguri, followed it up with a German suplex. Finn fighting out of this, he applies the abdominal stretch again, turns it into a roll-up for a two-count. Thatcher applies the ankle lock. Finn rolls through, turns it into a double stomp, hits the coup de gras in the 1916 to win this match. I thought this was a really good opener, like I said. And Finn getting a big win on TakeOver 30. And I don't know where Timothy Thatcher goes from here because, I don't know, maybe, I mean, maybe he's going to get the same treatment like Damian Priest. Just throwing that out there. Great performer, and I guess he's going to get a big push, you know? We had um, Sasha and Bayley watching the ladder match for the vacant NXT North American Championship. So we had Damian Priest, whose entrance was fucking badass. You had Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, who his attire was an homage to Bam Bam Bigelow, which he gets my respect for that, versus Kevin Grimes. And the Velveteen Dream, who got the silent treatment during his entrance. And I think that's a testament on how people are really feeling about Velveteen Dream right now. So if I'm like if I'm Triple H, Shawn Michaels, or anybody in the back, you might want to have to take them off for a while. Just being honest with you. Now there this match was a fucking car crash. And it was excellent. I loved it. This was Honestly, one of my favorite matches on the show. My, Like, I had three favorite matches on the show. This is one of them. Now, now this reminds me of the ladder match that they try to uh, do, like, at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Because I was there. I got there during the ladder match. Fucking fantastic match. You had the crowd, the atmosphere, everything about it was great. I think they try to recreate it, but you. D- I think the only difference is you don't have the... That NXT audience. Like the actual fans. You know. But um. But they still managed to bring some life into this match. There was a lot of highlights. So I'm going to go through this. Dream. He hit a Dream DT on a. On a Priest. There was an LOL moment. Cameron Grimes grabbed the small ladder. And I was laughing my ass off. When he said. You put that there. <laughs> How can you not love Cameron Grimes, man? He he's literally winning me over. But and Priest just clobbered him. I, I loved it. Gargano he hit a slingshot spear on Grimes. Yeah, Reed catching Priest 
Priest is like a spinning kick. He rams him to Gargano and hits, uh, excuse me, hits a fallaway suplex. Um, another hilarious moment. Cameron Grimes tries to climb the ladder. There was two ladders. He climbed up both, but Priest and Dream pulled the ladders, uh, like off of him, and he. They made him do a split, which looked painful, but it was hilarious on how he sold it. Reed uh, hit a shoulder tackle on both Gargano and Dream. Uh, both of them were in a ladder and were holding the ladder, and he hit a senton. Reed turned Grimes inside out with a lariat. Reed and Priest were about to do a chokeslam powerbomb combination, but Gargano, like on Gargano, but Grimes hits a snap suplex on Priest while Dream chop blocks the knee of Bronson Reed. Gargano and Reed try to t- took out both Reed and Priest because they're the bigger guys with ladders. Reed hit a splash on uh, the competitors, and I thought this was the best spot of the night. Priest hit a superplex on Dream, while Grimes, who is in a powerbomb position by Reed, German suplexes Priest, while Bronson powerbombs Grimes. So it was like an insane spot. I, I loved it. I thought that was fantastic work for all for these four men right there. Priest climbed the ladder to try to retrieve the title, but Dream brings him down. He tries to climb, Dream does, but Priest hits a springboard dropkick on the knee of the Velveteen. Like, hmm, bringing out your inner Cody Rhodes, I see. Priest was looking for a springboard kick again on Gargano, but Johnny hit a brutal fucking super kick on the back of his head. Johnny then hit a one final beat on Reed while Bronson's head was and neck were on the ladder. Dream tossed the ladder out, hitting hitting the back of Priest's. It looked like it hit the back of Priest's head, and it hit the pe- plexiglass. Gargano hit a tope suicida on Reed. Grimes hit a standing Spanish fly power slam on Gargano or a fallaway slam, like a flipping slam. I don't know. Dream with a flying elbow on Grimes. Reed hit a suicida, tope suicida, mamma mia, on both Gargano and Dream. Grimes, he grabbed the ladder from the entrance ramp and it is about to set it up only for Priest to... Hit him with the big boot. Priest then did a tope con hito with the ladder on Grimes, taking out um, I believe Reed, Dream, and uh, Gargano. I don't know. So out came Candice LeRae because this is a no disqualification. Anything can happen. She's out. She stops Cameron Grimes from climbing, and she's laying slaps on Cameron. So. Can we get Cameron Grimes versus uh, Candice LeRae, please? Um, I know you don't like doing intergender matches, but I think that will sell. Just throwing that out there. LeRae hit a nice Rana on Grimes, which in in return hit Priest in Dream. Now Gargano, he set up the ladder, and he started climbing to the top, but Reed knocks him down. And this is, where, this is the spot that I fucking love, man. Now, Candace is trying to choke out Bronson Reed, but Bronson just just was in position, like with Candace right on 
top of him, like on his back, he did a huge splash, squashing, um, squashing Gargano like pancakes. And not only that, it took out Candice LeRae. That was fucking awesome. Dream was looking for a super kick on Grimes, but his leg got caught on the ladder and he hit a high roundhouse kick on Dream. He set up the ladder between the ropes and a between the ropes and a ladder that was already set up. And he's climbing the ladder and he does his pose, hitting the North American champion championship, literally making Velveteen Dream look like a imbecile. You were on top. You should have just said, let me cl- let me grab this title, piss the IWC off, and and just prove to you that I'm innocent. Now, Priest, he chokeslammed Reed through the ladder, and Grimes hit a cave-in on Priest. But Gano hit a brutal, fucking brutal... I don't know how Cameron Grimes was standing after this. He hit a brutal fucking sunset flip powerbomb on Grimes on a ladder. Probably Sasha Banks must be thinking about that, which we will talk about later. Dream hit the Dream Valley driver on Gargano, right on Priest, which was on a ladder. Reed, he sent Dream flying over the barricade through the chair, which looked brutal as hell. Gargano knocks off Grimes with the title. He tries to unhook it, but Priest stops him. They both got one side of the title that's unhooked. Gargano gets taken out, and Damian Priest is your new NXT North American champion. This was fucking awesome. It was a car crash. We got great spots. And Damian Priest absolutely deserves it, man. This was his time. You could have made a case for Bronson Reed or Cameron Grimes to win. But Damian Priest was the right outcome. He deserves this. And I think he's going to do well with the NXT North American Championship. And kudos to all these five men putting their bodies on the line for this uh, awesome match. My other favorite match, Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. Now, we all had low expectations going into this match. But I said I wanted to wait and see how they play it out. And I got to admit, man, they, they blew me away. This match was fucking excellent. And get this, Adam Cole and Pat McAfee didn't even rehearse. They had zero rehearsal time. Now, during the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer said that he was told that Adam Cole and Pat McAfee did not rehearse their matches in the ring. They knew what each of them could do in the ring, and they simply went out and did their thing. And I, I gotta admit, man, Pat McAfee shut every doubter up. And I love it when people when people admit that they were proven wrong. And I'm like, you know, I wanted to reserve judgment, and Pat McAfee did an excellent job in his debut. And this was a one-off. This was a one-off. I think his commitment with WWE is done. But I don't know. We might see him again. So Pat McAfee, like, it was a head and neck, like, like, here's how the match started. Like, they just did a head and neck, um, hold, and I'm like, okay, starting off slow, 
Then Pat McAfee's talking trash with his NFL guys. Then Undisputed Era came out and tried to even the odds. Then you got referees and security trying to separate them while Pat McAfee sneaks away and so does the NFL players. Pat McAfee hit a nice swanton bomb off the top rope on the outside, taking out everybody. And he actually paid homage to Jeff Hardy. So... I thought that was nice. Really, really nice. Uh, he body slammed Cole. Like, he did it like he was squatting before hitting it. So, I thought that was cool. Um, Cole fires back with, a, with strikes and hits a pump kick on Cole. No, not on Cole. On Pat. Adam Cole then hit the Yushiguroshi on Pat McAfee for a two count. And he was looking for a lash up shot, but... uh. Pat rolls him up for a two count. Cole then hits a backstabber for a two count. And I thought this was one of the awesome moments that literally blew me away. Pat McAfee, like they were on the top rope. Adam Cole pushes Pat McAfee. He backflipped and landed on his feet like a badass. And I'm like, man... I know Ricochet and Will Ospreay are probably watching. And I'm like, damn, that is impressive. And he jumps up the top rope, hits a nice picture-perfect superplex for a near fall. Pat was looking to, like, I, I, gotta, I gotta say, that was the spot where I said, you know what, Pat McAfee proved is, is shutting me up. I literally said that on Twitter. He legit shut me up up and I was just so focused on this match now he was looking to punt kick Adam Cole but he evades and Pat's right leg hits the steel steps Cole then super kicks the injured leg and applied the figure four Cole then hits a running kick on Pat and lays the boots on him Cole's no 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 not Cole it was Pat yeah, yeah, it was uh, Cole. I had to make sure I got it right. Cole, he spins over the ref, but Pat, behind the ref's back, low blows him, and he hits a punt kick, and I thought that was it. And I'm like, we're about to see an upset. But we had a close near fall. Um, I believe... Now, Pat McAfee was trying to do, like, a dive, but he got caught by a super kick, and Cole was looking for the last shot. He's like, you know what? You don't deserve this. So he hits a Panama Sunrise. And he wins this match. This was fucking awesome. Pat McAfee shut a lot of people up. And if he ever wanted to get into pro wrestling, I think he would fare well. He could be a manager. He could be obnoxious. I, I think he really had a great showcase and Adam Cole bought him to his limit you know so I thought that was a really great way for Pat McAfee if, the, if there's one thing I gotta say they know how to do these uh outsiders matches and I know people are saying that somebody who's from the NFL and all that other stuff that has zero rest, wrestling knowledge but you know what Pat McAfee he did his thing man he did his fucking thing. And I don't know. Maybe 
we're just gonna have to find out what happens because right now I'm fucking speechless still thinking about it that was fucking awesome um Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship match this was awesome another this was another one of my favorite matches and it really established Dakota Kai as a threat for a possible run for the NXT Women's Championship and I love Dakota Kai and I gotta mention this, Dakota Kai's attire was actually paying tribute to Hanukkah Mora, and that makes me respect her even more. But I don't see them taking that title off of Io Shirai so soon, like I predicted, and I was right. Because, look, she won the title from Charlotte Flair and Rhea, in that triple threat match pinning Rhea Ripley. So, I thought that was... um. So, like I mentioned, I don't see them taking the title off her that soon. So, that's how I see things. Some highlights here. Io Shirai, she did, you know how she does that back handspring evasion? When she did the handspring, she landed on the top of her head and it looked like it knocked her out a little bit. So, I think she needs to be more careful. Or maybe it was just Dakota Kai not in position at the right time that made her trip up a little bit. But... Dakota was working on the arm of Io during this match. So she was being really innovative trying to weaken the arm of Io Shirai. She managed to fire up after Kai was kicking her and taunting her multiple times. And she gained momentum with strikes, hit a 619 into a springboard missile dropkick, trying to fight the pain for a two count. Dakota was looking to hit a German suplex on Io. Like, I thought if she hit that... This was on the apron. She was looking to hit that suplex on Io right through the pexiglass. And if that would have happened, I mean, that would have been lights out for Io. So, Io fight out of it. She was fighting out of it. She was looking for a powerbomb. But Io hits a double stomp on the chest of Kai. Kai then hit a nice chiropractor. One, that move is badass. And goes for the armbar, but Io makes it to the ropes. Kai managed to hit the GTK, but Io managed to put her foot on the ropes for a close near fall, shocking Dakota Kai. This is fighting spirit kicking in for Io. So the climax actually came when Kai accidentally hit a running boot to the ref, and that gave Io a chance to hit a suplex and a moonsault, and the ref was down, and Io looks at the down ref, and he's like, oh, come on. So... Raquel, taking advantage of this, came in, hit a really great powerbomb on Io, and she drapes Dakota on Io, wakes up the ref, and I thought that was it. We were about to get a new champion. One, two, 2.99. Io kicks out, shocking Raquel and Dakota Kai. Dakota was looking for the GTK again, only for Io to turn it into a crossface with her good arm. And... But Dakota rolls out of the ring. Io hit a triangle moonsault on both Io, not both Io, on Dakota and Raquel. The leg, Io's leg actually, actually hit Raquel in the face. So she took a really brutal hit right there. Io brings Dakota back to the ring, hits her moonsault, retains the title, rightfully so, because like I said... 
I don't see EO losing that title anytime soon. I think they're building that women's division around EO Shirai. So post-match, Raquel attacks EO and is about to powerbomb her, but this is my brutality! Rhea comes out. She just, she doesn't do her usual entrance. She just walks straight to the ring, does a stare down with, um, with Raquel and Raquel just walks out and I'm like, now look, that's a match I do want to see. And you have EO celebrating, but Rhea's making her intentions clear that she wants the NXT Women's Championship. We could see that. I don't know. But judging by what happened on NXT uh, yesterday, I don't know. I don't see that happening. They announced... Now, before we get to the main event, I really don't have much to say about it. But they did announce that NXT UK is returning in September. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it's been a while since I've been excited for NXT UK, and they also announced the return of Tommaso Ciampa. So, I think that really got me excited. So, I thought that was really cool. They had Drew McIntyre on commentary for the main event, talking about Karrion Cross and Keith Lee, who walks out the champion, and McIntyre says, I gotta go with my buddy Keith Lee. So this match, look, I I'll, I gotta be honest with you guys, and I know that's what you came here for. You love my honesty, and I'm gonna give it to you. Now, Keith Lee won the. Now Keith Lee lost the NXT Championship to Karrion Cross, and I just think that, like I saw the shoulder, it looked fucking disgusting. It was literally separated. It was out of place. So he won the title. It was the era of Cross, but it didn't last long. And I'll talk about that when we talk NXT on uh, the 80th episode. But if you want to know how Cross won, Doomsday Saito off the second rope. He managed to trooper on. It looked like the injury came when he took a spirit bomb or a clothesline and his shoulder just separated out of place. So he managed to finish the match with a broken shoulder. So I got to give him props for that. But Cross won in a disappointing main event. So Keith Lee's reign ended in 45 days as NXT champion. So... I don't know what you guys think, but had he not got injured, like I'm throwing that hint, I think he would have a dominant run on NXT. But I'll explain why later. But what you guys thought about TakeOver, 77% of you said it was a thumbs up show, while 23% of you said it was a thumbs down show. So a really positive show overall. Now... Let's talk about SummerSlam, which took place on Sunday. And if you want me to be real, I thought this was one of WWE's best pay-per-views in uh, this pandemic era. And I think a move to the Thunderdome really, not only did it help, but I think some of the matches were pretty good, to, to be quite honest. This was the best that they've ever done. And I got to give props to... Uh, to all the men and women out there who busted their ass. there was Now, there are things I did not like. So, 
Remember, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. This is my show. You, you can respectfully disagree. All right. But let's start off with the United States Championship match, which was on the kickoff show. MVP versus Apollo Cruz. I know the Hurt Business got new theme music, possibly just for the stable. But this match, look, MVP is one of the best things right now on Monday Night Raw. But this match, I, I honestly did not care about. I'm being completely honest with you. Um, like, I, di- I didn't even bother taking notes on this match. Apollo Crews, he retained. And rightfully so. And that led to the Hurt Business getting trying to get involved post-match. And they announced that Apollo Crews will be defending the United States Championship against Bobby Lashley. In which he will lose the United States title to Bobby Lashley. And back at catering you go, Mr. Apollo Crews. So the main show opened with Asuka versus Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This was a really, really good opening match. Really good opening match. Some highlights here. Um, Asuka, she catches Bayley with a drop kick and proceeds to hit kicks on her. If there's one thing I don't want to take is a kick from Asuka. Like, if even if you guys listen to my show and you say, look, if you meet Asuka, you have to... You have to have Oscar kick you in the chest and see how hard it sounds. Be like, Ugh. even if you paid me, I, I wouldn't even take the risk. Oscar applied a beautiful looking modified octopus hold on Bailey. She got her foot on the ropes and she hit a sliding low kick when Bailey was on the apron. Like Oscar was in the ring. She she thought she was like Bailey thought she was going to go for her hip attack, her hip attack, but went for the ankles and then did the hip attack on Bailey, knocking her off the apron. On the outside, Oscar hit a really beautiful looking jumping DDT off the steel steps, and they send her back to the ring only for a two count. Bailey takes control when she draped Oscar over the middle rope, and it looked like she hit a jumping a neck breaker, but some people saying it might be an elbow drop or just a jumping hit. Jumping, um, like, hand attack or something. I don't know. I think it was a neck breaker for a two count. Bailey went for a suplex for a two count. Hit Bailey to belly for a close near fall. Oscar cradles Bailey for a two count and rocks her with a brutal stiff roundhouse kick. Oscar makes her comeback with shoulder tackles into a running hip attack. In the corner, a pop-up knee strike and a German suplex. And hits her with a running hip attack for a near fall. On the apron, Bailey drops Asuka on the apron knee first, so that will play that played a factor later on. Um, and she chop blocks her for a two count. Bailey locks in an inverted figure four, and Asuka escapes with an ankle lock. Asuka then hit a cold break. I mean, if you want me to be real, I think she does a better cold breaker than Chris Jericho. Yeah, I'm biased. Even though I don't like being biased, but look, Jericho is the GOAT when it comes to code breakers, but I think Asuka does it in a fluid motion. Asuka looked for the top rope missile dropkick. I thought this was awesome, but Bailey catches her and applies the leg lock, which was a really great counter. 
Asuka gets her hands on the ropes to break the hold. Bailey hit a sunset flip on Asuka right through the uh, the turnbuckle. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I'm trying to remember. Right on the turnbuckle. And uh, she's looking for the elbow drop. But Asuka catches her with an arm bar. Asuka attacks Sasha who is just trying to rah-rah uh, Bailey, And that broke the hold. On the outside, Asuka hits Bailey with a spinning back fist. And Sasha tried to grab Asuka's leg, but she kicked her. And she's going for the running hip attack on back in the ring on Bailey, but Sasha took the bullet. And Bailey cradles Asuka to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. So post-match, you had Sasha and Bailey. They double-teamed Asuka to give Sasha an advantage later on. Now, the knee will play a factor in the Raw Women's Championship match, but Bailey needed this win more. She finally broke her single streak against Asuka. And you're building more with the story with Sasha and Bailey, which will, like I mentioned again, will play on later for the Raw Women's side. And this was a really good match. And I got a lot of praise for these three women, so. I will save that for the Raw Women's side. We had the Raw Tag Team Championship match. We had the Street Profits defending their um, tag team titles against Garza and Andrade. So, I gotta mention, Zelina Vega's attire was based off of Sombra from Overwatch. Agudvandalas Lucis. Kevin Owens, he was on commentary for this match. And I gotta mention the Street Profits entrance. They had Solo Cups raining down. Like, trying to be Okada, I guess. I don't know. But I didn't catch a Pikachu during one of the Thunder... Like, in the Thunderdome. Like, one of the fans had a Pikachu watching. Now, I only... The match was... Eh. I mean, I didn't really care because I always say, how do you follow it up? Now, Garza, he super kicked forward. But he stumbled on and knocked Zelina Vega off the apron accidentally... Garza was looking for a tag, but Andrade was checking on Zelina. And he's like, Andrade, bro, where are you, man? So, um, Dawkins, he hit a spine buster, followed up with Ford hitting that beautiful-looking frog splash. I mean, nobody does it better. Literally, nobody does a better frog splash than Montez Ford. That was, that was impressive in this current era of professional wrestling. The way he turns his body and hits it, that was just awesome. So, they retained the Tag Team Champions, and it looks like we're starting to see a dissension between Garza and Andrade. So, and, and then I ask, who's next to take take on um uh, the Street Profits? Is it going to be AOP when they return? I mean, Paul Ellering said that he was going to return with AOP. But injuries in the pandemic pretty much fucked over everything. I don't know. You need fucking tag teams. Which is why you should merge the divisions. Make it feel a little bit competitive. You know? So, that's that. We had a no DQ, loser leaves WWE match between Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Both of these women, well both of these women, they bought their A game on that show, to, on that SummerSlam show. 
Now, originally, this was supposed to be a hair versus hair match, but after the situation, what happened with Sonya Deville, because that stalker is a fucking creep, and they had to make changes to a loser leaves WWE match, but they were brawling on the outside. Mandy, she suplexes Deville on the entrance ramp, which when she landed, that sounded fucking brutal. Now, Mandy was trying to set up the table, which... It wasn't, which, spoiler alert, it wasn't even used uh, to put through in this match. But it gave Sonya time to recover and hit Mandy with a chair. Sonya hit multiple uh, kicks on Mandy and hit a sliding knee strike for a two count. Sonya then applied a dragon sleeper on Mandy and she transitioned it into a triangle choke. But Mandy goes for the pin only for a two count. Sonya, she trash-talked Mandy, fires her up. She hit a pump up, a pump knee strike for a two-count. Mandy's throwing chairs at Sonya while she's avoiding them. Um, Sonya's looking to hit Mandy's finisher, but Mandy lands on her feet. And she hits three running knee strikes, and she hit the bed of roses, and one final running knee strike to win this match. This was really, really good. And Sonya, like, they're making you believe Sonya Deville is no longer a part of WWE. They have her in the alumni section. Um, I think, like, look, and I think the reason is they don't want her hair to be shaven due to the court appearance. And I think she's just take, she's going to take some time off from WWE. And I think she's going to come back uh, next year in the Women's Royal Rumble. And they might still do the hair versus hair match at um, WrestleMania. So I'm just throwing that little gem out there. I think that would be an interesting scenario. So it's still possible they want to do that hair versus hair match, but they might save it for WrestleMania. The match that I was intrigued by, Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins in a street fight. And Dominic looked great in this match. Now, before I talk about this, I want to rewind with the Mandy Rose thing. I don't know what's next for her because I know she celebrated with Otis. She tried to do the worm. She should have just did a cartwheel instead. Um, That would have been her go-to, if I would be honest. But I think Mandy really stepped up her game. So did Sonya Deville. So, I mean, we could be seeing Mandy versus Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. We could be seeing, like, I don't know. It's possible, but I think she really bought, I think this was her best performance. Period. So is Sonya Deville. This was their absolute best performance, and I think they delivered. But I hope Sonya comes back on time, and um, she... uh, like she comes back stronger. Now back to the street fight. I got some notes on that. Rollins' attire was actually based off of Rey Mysterio's Halloween Havoc in WCW back in 1997. Which I'm like, that is a great detail. And I believe Mikazi did his uh, entrance attire. Well, his attire in general. Now, in the beginning, Rollins was touring with uh, Dominic. Dominic hit a beautiful-looking Rana arm drag and followed it up with multiple arm drags. 
Murphy then handed Rollins a kendo stick, and Dominic kips up, which looked badass, and hits a dropkick on Seth. Rollins, like later on, he was telling Ray to come on, save his son. Rollins hit a sling blade, and you see Angie, who is Ray's, Ray Mysterio's wife, watching backstage in gorilla position. Dominic avoided the blackout, hit a drop toe hold on Rollins onto the chair. He counters uh, Rollins' buckle bomb with a Hurricane Rana, and he spiked Rollins with a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful looking tornado DDT like he spiked Rollins for a two count. Now Dominic hits Rollins with a kendo stick. He he is will he wielded that kendo stick like a fucking badass. Um Rollins hit a superplex Falcon Arrow combination for a two count. He throw now Murphy, he's throwing two kendo sticks to Seth Rollins and he proceeds to hit Dominic with um the kendo stick. Now Murphy, he pulls out a table for Rollins and Ray is contemplating on rescuing his son. Dominic hit a Russian leg sweep on the um the middle rope like on the middle turnbuckle and both of them landed on the table. And Dominic gets up, hits a frog splash, paying homage to Eddie Guerrero for a near fall. Rollins, he super kicked Dominic and hits a brutal power bomb on him. Then Rollins hits Dominic with a kendo stick and on the chest while Ray watches on. Then Murphy handed him the handcuffs and he cuffs one of the ropes. And all of a sudden, you see Ray run into the entrance ramp and you see Angie just is out there. He wants, like she wants this to stop. And Rollins is just basking in all of this. Now, while Rollins was distracted, Dominic rolled him up for a near fall. And Murphy comes in with his running knee strike on Dominic. And then Murphy tried to do the same thing Seth Rollins did to Rey Mysterio. But Rey came in and like enough is enough and he made the save. And Rollins and Murphy, they handcuff Ray and they're about to hit him with the kendo sticks but Rollins slowly turns around and he sees his wife and he's like oh and he's like he's about to embrace her like Rollins was fucking sadistic fucking sadistic in his uh this role and it was just so badass but Ramus but Dominic came put a stop to him Hits two 619s, one on the outside, and he sends him to the ropes. Hits another 619, goes for the frog splash, but Rollins got his knees up, and he manages to hit Blackout in front of Rey Mysterio on Dominic, and he wins. So, this was really great storytelling. I gotta give it to Seth. Like, I I know people give him shit, for uh, talking about the fans, but you can't deny that his character work right now is really good. And I gotta give praise to Dominic too. I thought he did an excellent job in his debut, and I and I gotta say it, he has a bright future ahead of him, a really bright future ahead of him. So 
I think with more practices, the like the more he's featured. I'm not saying he should be featured more and more, but when he gets better and better, he might be a future WWE champion. I think that would be a great moment for him. So, just like Rey Mysterio, he lost in his debut in SummerSlam. Just not his debut match. I mean, Rey Mysterio's debut was on Raw, but he lost on his... Rey lost on his SummerSlam debut. Just throwing that out there. Oscar versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. This, in my honest opinion, was the best match on the entire show. Like, you cannot deny that. Um... I gotta give it to Sasha, Bailey, and Asuka. Their storylines, like, like I gotta definitely give it to Asuka because I don't give a shit what anybody says, but Asuka is the MVP in, not just in WWE during this pandemic era, I think she's the MVP of 2020 in pro wrestling, period. Like, this was a really, really great match. Now, I did note that there was a Fire Velveteen Dream sign and one of the Thunderdome crowd doing uh, Sasha's entrance. So I'm like, yep, they're still talking about the Dream. And WWE, they got to do something about this. I mean, this whole Velveteen Dream situation, because if, you want, if you're going to continue to see more of this, I, I, and I know I got to say this, you got to keep Velveteen Dream off of television. That's the only way. Now, Sasha, she immediately goes for the injured knee of Asuka. That played a part in uh in Bailey's match. Continuity right there. Asuka hit a multiple kicks and hit a sliding D elbow, paying homage to Kyrie Sane right there. So I loved it. I thought that was good. A sliding D forearm on Sasha. Sasha hits a spinning kick. And is looking for a Rana, but Asuka counters it into a brutal-looking knee bar that my that I literally cringed after seeing that. Back in the ring, Asuka hits a running hip attack in the corner for a two-count and immediately applies the arm bar. Now Asuka on the now both women were on the apron. Asuka was hitting kicks. She was looking for a roundhouse kick, but she kicked the ring post. And this spot was brutal. Maybe, and I said this on the takeover part, maybe Sasha Banks watched Johnny Gargano do a sunset flip powerbomb on Cameron Grimes and she got influenced on that. But she did a sick looking sunset flip powerbomb off the apron and the way Asuka landed. And and look, Asuka is is a tough son of a bitch. She's taken beatings before, <clears throat> Suzuki. But the way she landed, my God. Like, it's like a fucking whiplash effect. Just sweet Jesus, man. Sasha kicked, and there was another one when Sasha literally kicked Asuka in the face. Like, that was a legit kick in the face for a two count. Now, Asuka, she hit an electric chair slam and she transitioned it into a knee bar and then transitioned that into an ankle lock. So you see why Sasha, you see why Asuka is the best in that women's division right now? I'm just being completely honest with you. So is Sasha and Bailey, but Asuka, she fights off a superplex and hits a second rope or a top rope DDT on Sasha, planting her on her face. For a near fall. 
Both women are down with Sasha rolling out of the ring. This was just awesome. Asuka, she hits a missile dropkick for a two count. Sasha countered with a knife. Like, it looked like she was about to lift her up into a powerbomb position. But but Sasha countered it into a co-breaker for a near fall. Sasha was looking for the uh, frog splash, but... She misses and rolls over to Bailey as she tries to motivate her, saying that you're better than Oscar. You're two belts banks. Oscar's Oscar's trash. She's stupid. And Sasha runs to Oscar, but she catches, but Oscar catches her in the Oscar lock. But Sasha shifts her weight in a pinning predicament for a two count and immediately applies the bank statement. And she rolls away from the rope so Oscar wouldn't break the. The hold and Asuka countered it into an Asuka lock. Now this is where the tease is right there. Bailey avoided the hip attack, only for her to eat a spinning back fist. Asuka was looking for what appears to be a backstabber into a bank statement, but Asuka countered it into an Asuka lock. And you have Sasha screaming for Bailey. And you know what that reminded me of when Kyrie Sane was screaming for Asuka's help. So, nice continuity right there. And she taps out, and Asuka is your two-time Raw Women's Champion. And I think this is going to benefit Asuka even more since she won the title from Sasha Banks. She got her revenge. Not just on Bayley, even though she lost, but she got some of some revenge by getting her Raw Women's title back. And Bayley not taking the hit for... uh. For uh, Sasha not helping her friend out. Hmm. And also, if you notice, when Sa- when Bailey handed Sasha one half of the women's tag team titles, ba- like Banks looked at her like, are you fucking kidding me? And they show Bailey looking down at her SmackDown women's title, smiling, knowing that she saved her title, but she did not help her friend. So a storyline advancement right there because they have to defend their women's tag team titles on payback. So what do you do for Asuka? I don't know. But we'll discuss that uh, on episode 80 and I'll give you my idea on that. Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. This was some old school wrestling. Really loved it. Really loved this match. I thought this was really good. Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre are great in-ring competitors. Now, Orton, he rolled out of the ring to stall, getting Drew frustrated like he like he like a heel would do, get the baby face flustered and throw them off their game. Orton had had 3 RKO attempts in the beginning of the match, and he sent Drew shoulder first into the post. Um he slams McIntyre face first on commentary and drops him on the announce decks. Um, Orton then suplexes McIntyre off the commentary table on the outside. Orton is in control as he takes out the knee, and I believe Drew was busted open on one of the uh, one of the stomps in the corner, or it might have been when he when Drew was in a fi- no when Drew was putting um. Randy in a figure four predicament. And this was right after the spine buster. And Orton pulled the official and he 
pretty much put his thumbs in his eyes, like gouging it. So I think that's where the blood came from. You had McIntyre. He chopped Orton. He stops a fourth RKO attempt and he hits and his comeback mode is initiated and he hits two overhead belly to belly suplexes. Orton catches McIntyre and he's in a tree of woe, but McIntyre superplex suplexes him off of that for a two count. Now, Drew hit his future shock DDT for a close near fall. And Orton changes the momentum by catching him with a power slam for a near fall. And he was looking for the Draping DDT, but McIntyre escaped with the Glasgow's kiss. And I think that's where um, Orton was bleeding from the top of his uh, head. Orton, clo- he clotheslined him out of the ring. I think he took, he was out there as well. Um, then Vintage Orton was unleashed, hit the Draping DDT, and he was looking for the RKO, but he's like, you know what? I- I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to punt your ass to oblivion. So he goes for the punt. McIntyre counters it into a powerbomb. Drew sets up for the Claymore kick, and he looks for it, but Orton ducks, and he tries to hit the RKO, but McIntyre pins him. One, two, three, with a backslide, and he retains the WWE Championship. This was a really good match. Now, we know the feud ain't over yet, so, like, Orton's just staring at him, just giving him that smile, like, oh, it ain't over yet. So, this was good. I think Drew's doing pretty good and with his reign as WWE Champion. Then we get to the main event, The Fiend versus Braun Strowman in a Falls Count Anywhere match for the Universal Championship. I did not care about this. I'm being completely honest with you. Strowman, he sends the fiend on the commentary, spine first, like did like a little Uranagi, I guess. Strowman hits the fiend with the steel steps and back in the ring, power slam, two count. They brawled in the back of gorilla position. Bray hits Sister Abigail for a two count. They brawl back to the ring and Bray was looking for the mandible claw, but Strowman sends the fiend to the the ring post. And he hits a power slam on back in the ring for a near fall. Now he goes by the toolbox in which Bray Wyatt hit him with. And he cuts the ring. And the Fiend is up. And literally giving the Fiend enough time to recover. Hits the Uranagi, two Sister Abigails, and Bray Wyatt is your universal champion. Now their tagline. You never see it coming. I'm like, that's it? This is it. And then all of a sudden, post-match, you see The Fiend getting speared by a returning Roman Reigns with his new t-shirt, wreck everyone and leave. And not only that, he speared Braun Strowman and he he tells him that you ain't a monster unless I'm here and I made you. So he just wailed on Strowman with the chair and he spears The Fiend again. He doesn't do the ooh-ah. And he poses with the Universal Championship. If I'm WWE, I don't know if this is a heel turn. I know there are people speculating that he could be the leader of Retribution. I mean, that would be intriguing, yes, but I just, I don't know, man. 
Their golden boy's back. But look, I'm happy Roman Reigns is back. I'm being completely honest. And I do miss... I missed him. And this leads to their triple threat match that's going to happen at Payback for the Universal title, which was not a surprise to me at all. I'm looking at the poll results, see what you guys think, and I think you guys agree with me. 75% of you said it was a thumbs-up show. 25% said it was a thumbs-down show. And I literally ended with this on Twitter. I gotta be real... I honestly think that SummerSlam was one of the best pay-per-views in this pandemic era. I went into this with low expectation, but I honestly thought it delivered. And I asked you, what do you guys think? And nobody replied, but you guys seem to agree with me as well. So, I don't know, man. But if you were to say who, like if you were to ask me, who do you think is the MVP of SummerSlam? I have to go with Asuka. Plain and simple. She has been the best thing about this women's division. So is Sasha and Bailey. They got their own story, and I'm very, very intrigued by it. But um, that's it. That's my review for Dynamite TakeOver and SummerSlam. And I am getting the heck out of here, and I know it's just by that thunder I heard in the background. But make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. I will be live-tweeting tonight for AEW Dynamite. Um, make sure you follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip and like the Facebook page. No one's re- ready for wrestling. And I will see you guys for episode 80, my 80th episode of No One's Ready for Wrestling. Until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can. And uh, make sure if you're in Louisiana, to my friends down there, and if you're in Texas, if you're dealing with the hurricane, make sure you make sure you stay safe. I'll talk to y'all later. Peace out. See you on Twitter for Dynamite.